Hey, I'm Tremika, and welcome to the first episode of Deep Dives with Tremika Benjamin, a podcast dedicated to giving you an in-depth look at innovative strategies within higher education for higher education executives. Today, I'm going to bring you Dr. Tanja Williams, and she's the president of St. Petersburg College in Florida. And if you haven't heard, the work that she's doing down at SPC is pretty phenomenal. And today I've asked her to come and share what's happening inside of the classroom because it's pretty transformative. And it's something that they are calling the learning experience. Now, listen, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can learn more about Deep Dives with Tremika Benjamin at www.deepdivestb.com. Now let's dive in with Dr. Williams. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Williams. I am so, so glad and so honored that you're able to be here. Um, one of the main things I wanted to talk about with you is, first, I want to set the stage with saying that the very first college that I ever worked with at SWIM was with St. Petersburg College. And right. it was really interesting because you all were in the throes of implementing some transformational change. It was something called the college experience. So before I start talking about um, the work that you're doing right now outside of the class. Can we start with you just sharing a little bit? Give us a little sneak peek about what happens outside of the class with the college experience. Wonderful. And, you know, St. Petersburg College was just so honored to partner with SWIM. And uh, you taught me a couple of things, and we'll talk about that. You know, in 2011, we found ourselves in a situation where we were struggling. Enrollment was going uh, the wrong direction. Our team was not working together as effectively as we thought. And so we knew we needed some outside help to really look at what's going on before they even get in the classroom and are there any roadblocks. So we worked with an organization and had a very eye-opening experience in understanding that we really could have been recruiting from our application pool had we been working it correctly. Students were being lost in the pool. They weren't getting through to enrollment. And we were not serving them in the way that we should. And then we found out once they actually started, the support services that we were offering may not have been the right services offered at the right time Mm. in the right manner. And so the college experience was born out of that to really look at what support services are we offering that really yield to student success. So when you say support services, talk to me about that. What does that mean? Because different institutions, what I've found is they define support services as our veteran services programs and our advising programs. And it's far bigger than that. You have defined it far beyond departments and you talk about how it impacts the students. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. So when we talk about programs, we're really not talking about your boutique programs where a certain small amount of students can take it and the others can't. Right. We're really talking about building a system that holds all students and tends to work with the most encourageable ones, the ones that need the most help. So instead of saying that something's wrong with the student, we looked at us and our systems and our processes and found that we found the enemy and the enemy was us. And what we <laughs> learned was that our processes were so convoluted, so difficult for students to understand and comprehend that they just stopped and quit. So at this time, you were not the president of St. Petersburg College. What was your title at the time? I was the senior vice president for student affairs. So when you say the enemy was us, who did you mean when you say us? I admit (laughs) I was a part of that um, because I think that we really set up a system that was more convenient for us and less convenient for the student. Mm -hmm. And so we started focusing on components of our onboarding process that showed us that the onboarding process was a major roadblock and it was a major problem for our students. But even going a little bit further, we looked at once the student was enrolled, 
what really, what was the best support services for them? Mm-hmm. And we found out that we weren't offering tutoring in the right manner. It was offered when we wanted it and how we wanted it. And we found out that we weren't focusing on that. And mm-hmm. so we put a big push in there to make sure that students went into a tutorial session prior to falling into trouble. And we found that if a student went to our tutoring labs eight or more times, they had an 85% chance of earning a B or better. Wow. And so we start pushing tutoring. We learned about early alert. Every college had early alert, but we had these middlemen in there and you had to go, you know, the, the faculty pushed the button and the button went to an advisor. Then the advisor contacted the student and the student didn't want to talk to the advisor saying, why are you calling me? My faculty didn't tell me there was a problem. So we start looking at how can we improve and make early alert truly early alert. Right. We also found that we had a very convoluted communication plan. So with the help of SWIM, She's really showing us what a CRM is. How do you communicate with your students? Where are the roadblocks? Where are they being lost in the process? Things of that nature. So we found that working on us, our processes and our systems better supported students and our success rates went up, our retention rates went up. And so did our completion rates. And we are going to share on the website some of your um, key findings of your first year's data mm-hmm. of the college experience so that they can understand truly what those five key elements are mm-hmm. and the impact that it had on the institution. And I do want to say that it takes a great deal of, of courage to understand that processes are broken because what that's saying is you are loving, at one point, your processes more than you're loving your students. And you owned that, right? And you said... I am getting ready to love my students so much that the process is not going to be the barrier to make sure that they're successful. Correctly. And I think that that's extremely impressive. One of the things that I do want to talk about is how do you believe the impact of what you did outside of the class? So with those five key elements of the college experience, how that impacted how you set the table for the work that you're doing as president now inside of the classroom. So we spent about eight years focusing on outside of the classroom. And we found that, okay, we have retrofitted, redesigned, and rebuilt our system before the student lands in the class. What happens to them in the class? Because in all honesty, students come to college to earn a credential. The only way they can earn that credential is inside the class. They've got to complete. And so we found that there were pieces inside the class that did not work well for students. What do you mean by that? Give me some examples. So there are situations where um, we found when we disaggregated the data, certain populations weren't succeeding. They weren't remaining in school. They weren't completing at a, at a high rate. The success rates, um, there was a huge achievement gap. And so we knew that advisors don't give grades. Faculty do inside the classroom. Degrees are not given by financial aid. They're, and- they're given through learning in the class, completing and earning the credentials. And so what was really unique is that our faculty were given the opportunity to lead the classroom experience, not the, the administration. And so giving that to the faculty, they were brave enough to look at the true details to say, OK, if our faculty have their syllabuses available early, in the process before classes start so students can understand what's expected of them. If our faculty respond to students in grades and making sure that students know where they are in the class at all times, if our faculty look at quality matters and new pedagogy and ways of teaching, different populations will learn at a higher rate and complete at the same rate. They'll cross the finish line, even though they start at the start line in different points. So, You're saying two things that I am finding is a theme of identification, but not a theme of 
when administration is ready to roll up their sleeves and do the work. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Number one, the importance of data, not just to say you have it, not just to say that you're you're going to take a look at that data and, and just have death by data mm-hmm. for four to five months, mm-hmm. analyzing data, going back and asking your IR team to give you more data on the data that they just got. So how you're using data and then also stakeholder ownership. Because what I'm finding when people want to redefine an experience within the classroom, they oftentimes at the administration level, they'll call a consultant and they'll say, we want you to define what happens in the classroom. But at the end of the day, that is not a three-day process. That's not a three-month process. That is a process that you have to get buy-in from who I like to call the stakeholders. They have to Mm -hmm. own this process, define what it is. And it might not be what administration wants to the T but it's what the institution needs in order for it to be adopted. And what I think you've done at St. Petersburg College is you've used data to inspire change and you've also been able to engage. And I I want you to talk a little bit about how you engage your stakeholders, your deans. Okay. How are you engaging them for them to own this process so that you're not doing that heavy lifting? Perfect. Thank you so much. You know, SPC has had... um, a real robust data system for the last 10 or 15 years that is open to the entire college. And it's the only data we have. You know how at some colleges, well, when I ran the data, it looked this way. But when I ran it, it looked that there's only one data to run. So when you say open to the entire college, Mm -hmm. what do you mean by open to the entire college? So if a faculty member wants to go into our business intelligence system, they have access. They can run their own data, slice and dice it the way they want. They can run and make pro, uh, different reports, make different graphs. Um, they don't have to call me. They don't have to call the data team. They can run it themselves. Huh. Um, transparency has been always important at SPC where there's no hidden figures here. You you're, you want to know the data? Go see it for yourself. I think it's important to have a system that way. But the most um, important thing is not to beat people up on the results of the data. I think that you can kill a person's thirst for understanding how well we're doing, what we're not doing, if they feel that they're going to be beat up by the by the data. Data is just to inform us of what's happening. That's all. Mm -hmm. It's not to point fingers and say this person did it wrong or this group is doing it wrong. It's here's the data. Here's what we're learning. Now, what's our action plan to address it? So data for us is open to everyone. There's training and you can access it and pull it the way you want. It refreshes daily. So it's not stale. It's not old. You don't have to wait for someone to write a query or something to give you the data. And by the time you got it from the query, it's already dead. Right. 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 (laughs) Um, I think Davis Jenkins calls that autopsy data. Um, It's already dead. So I think the first part is you could definitely be an institution with a lot of data. You've got to make sure that there's only one set of data. I completely Period. agree. I completely Period. agree. And then it has to be accessible by everyone. I believe in inclusion and, and co-creation because buy-in means that someone has already put it together and they're selling it to you. They're saying, "Miss Benjamin, you agree to this, right? This is what we think we should do. We need you to buy into this. Co-creation means, guys, here's the data. Here's what we strive to accomplish what do you think we should do? Let's create this together. And so to get faculty involved, they have to own it right. and they have to create it. I can create something and they'll look at me and say, well, Dr. Williams, that's not going to work in the classroom. And I'm not in the classroom every day. They are. So the metrics that they chose to use works for the faculty and the student because they are the ones in, in the depth of this, not me. And I think it's important to say that 
the relationship between your faculty and your dean and administration, you've built a very healthy dialogue. If I recall, um, since you've been president, you bring all of them to the table and mm-hmm. you have those courageous conversations together. And through that, is that how you've you've built this transparency and this momentum to continue to move forward? How how do you get those three departments to marry and be in the same boat and row in the exact same direction? Well, what I did is something that probably no college president would do. My executive leadership council is 60 people. Wow. And we all see the information at the same time. And then we break up into our perspective groups during that meeting. The second hour is each group working on what they feel they we need to do to achieve that goal. So everyone's at the table at the same time. There's and, and I know people do a lot of cascading throughout the organization, But in order to really get a co-created group where everybody's creating this together, they all got to sit at the same time. So it's not watered down. It's not changed. There's not a new version of it. This is the information. So we meet for an hour as a group on the issue, and then they break into their subgroups, and then we come back together with the plan of action. So, Dr. Williams, this is very, very interesting. Do you feel comfortable sharing a sample agenda so that we can see what that would look like? Because that's quite impressive. Sure. I I have no problem with that. I I think that having everyone at the table opens eyes for people to see and hear things they've never heard before Mm -hmm. so that everyone's making decisions from their perspective. But when you get the full picture, since we're one college, right? Yep. And, And they get the full picture the faculty will get to see it from the student point or the administrative point or the board of trustees point and vice versa. So everyone gets to to see that. And that causes an open dialogue that causes feedback where people don't feel that they're going to be penalized by saying their opinion or their or questioning something. And we come together on that as a team. It's a lot of work. It's extra work, but the outcomes are much better because it's open and collaborative. I think it's extra work, but it's extra work in the right direction. Because one of the things that's really interesting about what you said is a lot of institutions will have these meetings, these executive cabinet meetings, then they'll have a dean's meeting, then they'll have a faculty meeting, Mm -hmm. then they'll go meet with each one of the support staff to also institute whatever happened in the last three meetings. You, It might take work to prepare and work through those processes together, but the processes are being worked out in the exact same place. That's a very, very interesting model. In the exact same place, plus monthly we send a email out to the college family of here's what the executive leadership council has been working on. So everyone can get the information. It's not hidden. Um, and so when we talk about radical transparency, that's radical transparency where all, all folks get to hear and be involved and, and give their say. I think that's very critical. Well, speaking of radical transparency, first I want to ask, let's talk a little bit about faculty. Are you a union school? We are not fully unionized, but our adjuncts just unionized. We'll probably really start working on that in January. We have not heard back. Okay. So I hear you with radical transparency. So talk to me a little bit about what is happening in terms of motivating all the way down to adjunct faculty. How are you motivating and engaging them in this process? The reason I'm asking this question is I speak to a lot of institutions and they say, we are doing a great deal of work. We are working hand in hand with our full-time faculty to build this model. And you and I both know 70% oftentimes of students experience more adjunct than they do full-time faculty. Mm -hmm. So forgetting or not thinking about how that impact and how that transformational change 
affects students who are primarily being taught by adjunct is a blind spot for some institutions. So how are you doing that work? What are you doing to engage them in this process? That's a great question. You know, I don't see our adjuncts as second-class citizens. They teach just as great and just as well as our full-time faculty, and they have to be credentialed just like the full-time faculty to teach the courses they teach. But our Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning, they do a lot of adjunct training to not teach them so much how to teach, but to engage them more into the college environment to make them feel more comfortable and confident, to make sure they have the tools and the resources needed to teach the students that they have. So this is your department that is committed to um, professional development for For the entire institution for faculty. Correct. Okay, that's impressive. Correct. Okay. And so every Monday they have a Monday morning message to all the faculty. They reiterate the trainings and they provide adjunct training specific to them in, in, in the evenings and on Saturdays. So I'm going to take you all the way back to when this launched. How? Did you launch an initiative after being on the heels of something so transformative like the college experience related to student services? How did you say, okay, guys, we did a great job, but now I'm getting ready to start from scratch with what's happening in the classroom? Very interesting. While we were in maybe our eighth year of the college experience, we found that we had done the best work we could at that time and that the next roadblock was the classroom. (laughs) <laughs> and and so we needed to really start focusing on what's happening inside the class and how do we get students who are either clicking online or sitting in the seats across the stage. Right. And so the conversation was being held before the college experience had even been mid, midpoint. And we started working with the faculty. Um, our faculty governance organization stepped up and they said, Dr. Williams, when I became president, let us do it. And so it really started out as the classroom experience, but the real name of it now is the learning experience. The learning experience. And so that is what the faculty coined it. And the faculty is building it. The faculty built it. They reported out to our board of trustees a couple of months back on the metrics that they're using and what's happening in the classroom. And what I'm so proud about their work is last fall, our retention rate, our withdrawal rate went down 10.8%. That meant we kept that many more students in the classroom. Now that's a faculty. That's That's a faculty thing. That's the faculty. In the spring, it was like 2.5% less students withdrew. And so far, the last time we looked, it was like 5%. So we'll know in a couple of weeks, but we know that the work they're doing is keeping students inside the class. So let's talk a little bit about the work that they're doing. My last question is surrounding around what truly is the impact for Mm -hmm. the learning experience, right? Mm -hmm. In your opinion, what are the main elements that have the highest impact on improving that experience inside of the classroom? Engaging students, understanding who our students are and spending time with our students, communicating better communication, faster feedback with students, changing the early alert from a advising role to a faculty role where the faculty communicate directly with the student regarding their work in the classroom and suggestions on how to make those improvements. The partnership faculty have made with the learning support centers for tutoring to make sure that we offer supplemental instruction in the right way that fits the classroom. And I think just being plain old engaging, 
just present. Yeah. And when you say understanding your student, mm-hmm. walk me through how did you, how did y'all get there? How did you get to the point of knowing your students? We have a lot of institutions that share with us that they know their students based on their demographic data, but you and I both know that's far more complex. They're, the situation of what's happening in that classroom is far more complex than what you can find on a document or a mm-hmm. spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So how did you work with faculty to understand this who their perfect. students are? For the entire college, we started working on from poverty to prosperity. We definitely disaggregate the data and look at it by ethnicity, but it's really social mobility and understanding the start that our students are having and how many live in those poverty zip codes and what they're coming in uh, needing. Some of our students are not succeeding, not because they don't have the academic ability. It's actually because they're hungry. They're homeless. They don't have transportation. They had to catch five buses and really getting the college family to understand who the SPC students are and that we're growing more in that population than any other. I recall hearing you speak one time and you shared with your faculty a map and you Mm -hmm. showed them, you know, exactly where the state of Florida identified the highest amounts of poverty. Mm -hmm. And then you showed another one on top of it where your students were, Mm -hmm. which coincidentally was almost right on top of it. Right on top of it. Talk to me about the journey of how they digested something so profound as that. Well, you know, what was really interesting, I don't know if they digested it as much when I showed the map as they did at graduation. When I asked, will all the students who are first in their family to attend college stand, all the graduates, Huge number. Please sit down. If you're a single parent, please stand. Huge numbers. Please sit down. If you worked while you were in college, please stand. Huge numbers. Please sit down. And if you receive financial aid while you were in college, please stand. I got emails and Mm. phone calls from my faculty looking at the numbers and saying, whoa. And so just really understanding the grind that our students have to put in to get across that stage. And so for me, it's been really looking at from poverty to prosperity and economic mobility. And I think that has made a big difference for the college family in understanding who our students are. One of the things I want to talk to you about as well is faster feedback. You mentioned that that was a major component of the the highest impact, one Mm -hmm. of the higher impact practices associated with students being successful in the class. On this journey of working with colleges and universities, what I've found is to engage and motivate faculty to actually consistently give feedback to students um, based on a defined, you know, timeline that the institution has established mm-hmm. as a whole. And if I'm understanding you correctly, y'all are walking that path right now. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I guarantee you our listeners are saying, yeah, that's great that Dr. Williams is saying that. But at the end of the day, I can't get my faculty to take attendance. So what I can show you is the metric that was submitted to the board by the faculty governance organization that shows the increase of timely submissions back to students via our learning management platform, as well as the students who stayed in classes and what platform they used. The faculty are keeping up with this. I am not. This is their baby. Wow. (laughs) And so they are managing that and they brought that data back to the board of trustees on those improvements. And I can show you that. This is extremely profound to hear. 
being at the ground level as the college experience outside of the classroom was taking place, and then watching this transformative work take place inside of the classroom, which we all know that students spend more time in the class exponentially compared to what they do in an advising office. So it's extremely enlightening to see how much the academic side of your institution is truly, truly, truly putting their time and their resources Mm -hmm. where their mouths are and putting these students first over processes, over their comfortable syllabus that they've had for years. They are ensuring that these students are thought of first. So kudos to you and your team and your faculty and your administration for being able to motivate and inspire each one of these people to be better and do better. I think, you know, I really think it boils down to understanding that we're one college. You know, one of the things that SWIM did for us is helped us with that and understanding that I am, we are, you are SPC, that it's not us against them. We're all in this as a team. And I think that plays a bigger role. And also understanding the students that we're serving and the impact that we can have not only in their lives, but in the lives of their families and for generations to come. Our faculty, our deans are working together. They meet as a team. Our faculty governance meet with deans and work with them on ideas. And so we're all in this together as a team. Not saying that it's not hard, not saying that there aren't tough days. There are tough days. There are cases that we engage that we can't help. And that makes it very difficult. But with our community engagement and partnerships, we're able to make some some difference. And I just think the impact that the college is making, I can't take credit for it. My team, they're rock stars and they're in it to win it. And I'm very proud of them and the work they've done. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Williams, for this time. It means a lot for me and the listeners to have you share this information. Thank you. We are excited to see what happens inside of this classroom. And I cannot wait to take a look at this data a year from now to see how many students you save. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. So that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find more episodes at www.deepdivestv.com or you can subscribe through your favorite podcast subscription service. Until next time.